designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. (laughs) The official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tails behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today. Hello, hello. Welcome to Tangible Remnants. I'm Nikita Reed, and this is my show where I explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. I'm excited that you're here, so let's get into it. Episode 6. So this week's episode is a conversation between me, Morgan, C.B. Miles, and Rashida Tripp. The three of us made up 100% of the undergraduate Black architecture graduates from the University of Virginia in 2006. Yep, they were just the three of us in our undergraduate class of about 70 plus students. So we were there for each other and saw each other through the ups and downs at UVA while starting our architecture journeys, and we've been friends for close to 20 years. I wanted to bring them on the podcast so we could have a candid conversation about what drew each of us to the design profession as Black women and also how we've navigated our professional lives since then. Uh, Rashida and I have chosen to stay in architecture and became licensed, whereas Morgan has gone into development and is doing big things there. Morgan and Rashida are amazing women in in the profession. And so just to give you an idea of how amazing they are, let me get into their bios. Rashida Tripp is currently a project architect at Guernsey Tingle in Williamsburg, Virginia. She's been with the firm since 2013 and has continued to work remotely from Charlottesville since 2017. Her project types range from retail, multifamily residential, and government facilities at all levels. And she is passionate about designing affordable and equitable housing. She frequently stops to admire the ceilings and doors of spaces. She's the mother of two boys and a wife to a husband who no longer judges her for stopping to look at said random building details. She received her BS in architecture in 2006 from UVA, and she earned her Master of Architecture in 2012 from Washington University in St. Louis. Moving on to Morgan, who uh, makes up the other third of our architecture unit. Morgan C.B. Miles is an award-winning developer who currently serves as the Senior Manager of Development for Strategic Property Partners, uh, which is also known as SPP, where she oversees entitlements, design, and construction of the $171 million, 388-unit luxury residential building that's part of first phase of the Water Street Tampa development. 
She joined SPP from Hoffman and Associates, which used to be called PN Hoffman and Associates, and she worked on the development of the Wharf in DC. The Wharf is a $2.5 billion world-class mixed-use waterfront redevelopment in the city. While working on the Wharf project, she managed and developed North America's first Canopy by Hilton, which is a lifestyle hotel, and DC's first Hyatt House. She also uh, worked on phase two of the Wharf project, where she led the development of the $190 million, 96-unit ultra-luxury condo building, which was designed by the world-renowned Raphael Vignoli Architects. Morgan is a lead-accredited professional and earned her Bachelor of Architecture also from UVA, uh, and an MBA in real estate and finance from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. So we cover a wide spectrum in this episode, from why we chose UVA to how we navigate predominantly white male spaces and how we manage the various expectations that are put on us as women, both in the field and in the society. We've been friends for more than a decade. And so we did our best to keep our laughter and inside jokes and over talking to a minimum. But inevitably, there are a few audio issues. So bear with us. A few more things before we get into the episode. The podcast is now available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and a number of other podcast directories. So now you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find, like, and follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook under the handle at Tangible Remnants. So anyways, I adore both of them and have relied on their friendship and guidance more times than I can count. So whether you know us personally or not, I hope you enjoy a candid conversation between friends featuring Morgan C.B. Miles and Rashida Tripp. Why don't we start at UVA since that is where we met um, and we ended up actually graduating together, getting through the architecture program almost in one piece. But what made you choose UVA? And I guess I'll start with Rashida. Okay. One of my best friends said she was applying like early decision. And I was like, okay, I'll apply too. And then, you know, on our college tours, I went to like tech. I hated it. And then when I went to UVA, I just got a totally different vibe. And I love the people. I love the campus or grounds. And I love, I think, just the program, the way they had it laid out for us. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was close enough to home that I could get home if I needed to, but it was also far enough away that I knew my mom and sisters weren't going to pop up. Right. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I gotcha. think that was like why I chose it. Gotcha. And Morgan, what about you? Um, Rishita, when you were like, I honestly don't know. I was like, wow, yeah, you are taking us way back. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so I think I wanted to go to UVA. I was kind of trying to decide whether I wanted to do architecture or mathematics at that point. I had applied to like seven different schools. Some programs were I was going to major in mathematics and others architecture. I, growing up in New Jersey, I kind of wanted to be further from home, but not where it's my parents have to take a plane. But I think just, I mean, it's, it's an amazing school great reputation. And I think it was a good balance. Like some of the schools I had applied to were really focused on like academics, which it's definitely something that was important to me. But as you guys know, I work hard, party hard. And I think UVA had a great balance with like football, like the whole like school spirit. So 
That makes sense. I didn't realize that you were thinking about majoring in mathematics, but that makes perfect sense. Considering. I have to, um, so I to I'll go to Spelman. I got into a NASA three-year um, internship with NASA. Huh. Um, so I was like, now I can't add in my head because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> with the calculator and the phone. <laughs> but right. So, anyway. Wow. All right. Because I, I remember you used to take, like, uh, higher-level math courses for electives. And I'd be like, but why? Oh, I, yeah, we were like, why are you taking the conference, Morgan? Exactly. That makes no sense. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Got it. Math. All right. Cool. All right. So then, now, I know that I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about Columbia, and that's where I wanted to go. But then my mom was like, oh, you know, you'll get homesick and all these things. And then she basically was like, okay, but also UVA is cheaper and that in-state tuition is where I need yeah. you to <laughs> go to. Uh, so I always knew that I was going to do architecture because I just kind of always had a thing for existing buildings. But I guess, when did you two know that you wanted to go into architecture? I'll start with Morgan, I guess. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I, I went in and then went out. Um, <laughs> so it was one of those things that, like, I was thinking about what did I do as a child that I really enjoyed. And I always played with Legos, like more than anything. And then like building blocks. And then uh, when my parents had like the big refrigerator boxes, I made like a house out of it. And I think Rashida, I I feel like you might've done that too. And when I I heard that you did that, I was like, and so I think it was the combination of mathematics and and then my art, I took a lot of art, IB, AP, studio art in, in high school. And so it just was a great mixture of, of the two. But I think that I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but you both have a true passion for design. I have a true passion for seeing design, not necessarily doing it. So yeah. hence why <laughs> I'm not exactly an architect at this point. So. Gotcha. Makes sense. She do it about you. So my, like from an early age, I lived in a house that actually made my family sick. So I always thought that like, this wasn't fair. This shouldn't be how people lived. And so I started to like design spaces of where I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And then I used to go to like a after school program and the woman that ran the program told me like you can be an architect and like from that point on like second third grade I was like okay I'll be an architect so I don't know what else I would have done because it's been ingrained in me since like eight nine years old did you know any architects or any black architects growing up no not at all and I honestly were there don't... any black architects <laughs> <laughs> there were but yeah it's, it's there definitely. were but <laughs> right probably way fewer I mean, then there are now, I mean, mm-hmm. well, most of that, definitely. I right. didn't know of any. And honestly, I did not know exactly what architecture was until mm-hmm. I got to UVA. Yeah. And this is probably something we could touch on a little bit later, but there was definitely a difference between my like personal story and then other people who were in the A school who had like been to architecture summer camps and their parents were architects and right. like that just like completely went over my head that that was even a thing that people did agreed so that was also kind of like a like culture shock that like other people knew about this profession and had experience in it and this was like my first time being exposed to it for the most part yeah I think the I remember there was one time I think Morgan I guess I, I don't know if like 
through your dad, we connected Marshall Purnell to UVA, but I remember Marshall Purnell coming to UVA and like you knowing him. And I was like, wait, what? There's this black architect who's mm. been around doing things in DC. And as, I remember that blowing my mind because <laughs> I just yeah. hadn't made the connection that there were black architects in DC. And I don't know why I didn't make that connection, but it just, it wasn't a, I don't know. We just hadn't really I mean, seen... it could have been because we were like three black That's architect true. students in our program. That's yeah. true. And so you think like the world is the same way. Like there's only right. three of us. There can't be more than three out real black architects <laughs> in the world right. at this point right. in life. Right. Well, one thing um, that, that you were saying, Rashida, and I just thought about this. So I found out years later after I we had gone to UVA, but my dad, he went to Hampton for undergrad and he at, at the very beginning wanted to be an architect. Um, but he couldn't afford like the entry fee or, or like to get into the program or the supply, something where he ended up not doing it. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting you bring up that point because like a lot of real estate companies are like family owned and like kids at like age two, they're working on a construction site and they're exposed yeah. to it. And it's unfortunate for us where it's just like we don't see people like us or we're not exposed to it automatically yeah so it's just it's interesting right yeah the people who have parents who are architects who (laughs) it's always like oh wow that's so you got to like be in the room and see things and like know a little bit more definitely felt like like a little bit of a leg up let yeah leg up like privilege Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, the privilege of it right it's crazy you say that when uh, i went to archex last Mm -hmm. year and one of the like staff, like the facility staff, he stopped me and he was like, are you an architect? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm just so proud of you. Aww. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he was like, he wanted to be an architect. He couldn't afford it. He still has his drafting board. He still wants to do it. But like at his age, he's like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like, he was just so proud of me. And he said there were a couple other that's other architects that he had seen like in the conference. And like, you don't really like to us, it's just like what we do. Right. But you don't know the impact, like even yes. just this random guy seeing us has. Right. Um, and like my little friend group, I all my kids' friends know that I'm an architect and like I'll send them pictures of my projects. Oh. So like that exposure yes. is Better so early. huge. Yes. And it's one of those things where it's the, I mean, I know I get excited when I, even currently, when I see a Black architect, particularly when I don't know, like out and about. <laughs> at a yes. So yeah. That's amazing. That's like even someone not in the field saw the, I guess, the specialness of that. Because there's really not many of us. And it, I didn't no. realize how our numbers were so low, particularly for Black women architects. Like um, 478 or something yeah, like that? It's like less than 500 of the yeah. 100 thousand plus and that kind of just blew my mind but then again it's also that there there weren't that many black females in my programs I mean yeah there were three of us and then even when I went to Penn there were another three but it's just the numbers just haven't been there and I still even I guess there was one time on a bus I got a random random dude sitting next to me was like oh you're an architect or you're trying to be an architect isn't that a weird profession for a woman and I was like wait what I'm sorry like (laughs) What year is what year that? <laughs> right, exactly. I was like, this was well into the 21st century. Come oh. on now. But yeah. then on the flip side of that is then when I'm in a white space with other architects who are like, oh, you're an architect, but are you licensed? Because, you know, you can't say you're an architect if you're not licensed. And it's oh like, I am licensed, which is why I said <laughs> I'm an architect. So it's like, it's that duality of having yeah. to like 
prove yourself to the white architects who want to make sure yeah. that you're like fitting in but it's just frustrating it's so frustrating oh. it's so frustrating and like I feel like I'm constantly proving myself every time uh-huh. I walk into a room yeah. and then they'll ask me what school I went to and I'll say yep. UVA and watch you and they're like oh good for you and I can't take like the exact words almost everybody says is good mm-hmm. for you and like yeah. this look of shock on their face mm-hmm. right and I'm just like when will this stop right exactly yeah. And even just yeah. the the expectation of, oh, you went to a predominantly white school? Oh, and you, right. you graduated? Oh, and you were oh you were good enough to be there. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. well good. Yeah, that uh, that shock is really irritating. Morgan, <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like in the development side. How does well, that play out? <laughs> so it's interesting you say that. So I try to limit that. So if I know I'm going to meet with someone, I'll like LinkedIn request them. I'm like mm-hmm. Get the shock out. Like, you look at my credentials, all of that. Get, like, oh, she's black. Get that mm-hmm. out of your system. So then when you see me, I don't need to deal with that. Like, <gasps> or yeah. like, oh, okay, like, you can sit That's in the corner. That's actually a really great idea. Like, right. literally, I'm, I'm like, start okay, doing that. take your time. Like, process that I'm black and right. what I've done and yep. how old I am. Get it out of your system. And then let's meet. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. That's Mess really it down to business. Yeah. Cause I had, so when I was running a small business, I had to, f- I guess, flip it so that I could actually take some sort of joy out of that gas whenever people were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize. And like they, they then when they try to catch themselves because I didn't realize that I was black <laughs> or the however old I was, then it's the, yep. Okay. Can we move on now? Are you got yeah. it? You're good. Like it's that frustration of being like, I can exist. And yes, yeah. we are smart. And it's, it's the worst. It's like, oh, well, you were just so, so articulate on the phone. I really, that's why you're going up with this. <laughs> but, but even on the flip side where we have to prove ourselves, and I feel like it's continuous. And, it's always continuous. It's, it, like, it, yeah, it's not just when you first meet them, but then there are so many people that I see like white men that go into a meeting. They basically are starting at like top of their game. Everyone loves them, all that. Like they have to screw up for them to like think less of them. And so it's just, it's really interesting where it's like, we start at like a C or even like a C minus and like they're like A and it's like, we're like trying to just trying to get above like a B minus, like from like, it's, it's, it's more stressful and just crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy how much also Things have changed, but they still stay the same a little bit. I'm thinking about, I guess it was our fourth year when all of the the hate crimes and all that stuff happened at UVA. And we ended up leading that little march from the A school to the line for social justice. Yeah. And, yeah. It's crazy that, you know, 20 or I guess almost 20 years later, it's still still an issue. But then <laughs> even I was really excited to see that UVA did a memorial to the enslaved laborers. Because I remember how many people were surprised when it's when even just a statement that UVA was built by slaves. And there's like a, uh-uh, not like, it's like, wait, yes, <laughs> it was like about America. Like. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's like the fact that there's even this memorial there, it, it warms my heart, but it's also like, oh, still. So then now that we're uh, grown women, which is wild that we've been friends for this long, which is amazing. And that we're like grown people. <laughs> and you guys still like me. Right? Like, and you're like, yeah. like, I love the fact yeah. that we do this. <laughs> so why don't we get back to like the, the career path then? So Morgan, when did you know that you wanted to go into development? Huh. So I worked at an architectural firm going in 
to my fourth year and I pretty much did like window details and AutoCAD the whole mm-hmm. summer. And I was like, wow, this isn't exactly what I had in mind. And like, I'm a very outgoing, like I, I wanted, I wanted more of a relationship based more than just sitting at a computer. It felt like at least at the beginning with architecture, I, I wasn't utilizing my strengths and my interests. And I ended up, it was my fourth year during the winter working at Harley Davidson. It was like an externship. And I worked, they had a museum that was opening up in 2008. And so I was working with their like in-house. It was like a week or two, not like anything major, but I had the opportunity to be at the table with architects, but kind of like manage it from a a different standpoint. Oh, I I like this because like (laughs) I know enough about architecture and I have the foundation and I know, I know what I'm asking of my architect. And so I think that I, I wouldn't trade it for the world and definitely helped with my work ethic, but like I, I wasn't as passionate with doing the design itself. So then I ended up working at Archon Group after undergrad. Makes sense. And then Sheeta, so when you were deciding to go back to grad school, I guess, when did you decide that you wanted to be licensed and keep going with architecture? So I intentionally took a break to work for three years after undergrad to make sure that I wanted to do this and to make sure that I wanted to go to grad school. Well, the first year I did um, AmeriCorps for a year, which is kind of like the U.S.-based Peace Corps kind of sort of. Um, and I worked for a nonprofit that I volunteered with in undergrad. And one of my many duties was to help renovate this house for um, men who are returning to the community from jail. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helped to start to solidify it. And then I worked for um, a firm in Norfolk for a couple years. And it's interesting, Morgan, when you said that, like, you were stuck on, like, door details. Like, I was doing almost window. everything. <laughs> oh, window details. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't um, know door details at that time. <laughs> I was doing almost everything. And I had really great mentors within the studio I was in to, like, show me how to do things, how to do it correctly. Um, they were really patient with me and kind of guided me through the whole process. And then I decided to go back to grad school after my three year, this is it cut off, which actually worked out pretty well because it also coincided with a recession. Gotcha. So I went back to grad school and Washington University of St. Louis. Gotcha. That makes sense. I ended up working and living at home for a year after undergrad. And I thought I was going to take a longer time, but then my mom was like, so listen, come next fall, you got to be out of this house or in grad school. And I was like, mm, grad school's looking real good. <laughs> she got tired of me uh, being there, I guess. But yeah, I think it's the mentors made a big difference. And I think in all of our lives, we can kind of point to the di- people who helped us along the way. So then as we've been, I guess now that we're, I guess, I, would this be mid-career? Is that, are we there yet? Yeah, we're, like, we're mid-career, which is level. crazy. But we're, yeah. se- we're senior level. <laughs> I don't know. Eh, maybe like, for you, Morgan. Right. <laughs> um, it, it's actually technically eight years plus senior level. Really? Yes. That doesn't even Look sound that right. Up. right? It, it is. No, it's the truth. Huh. Now, I, that might not be in the, 
in our industry, but that's across the board. <laughs> we're, we're beginning senior. Okay. Cause then, but it's like eight years seems like such a little bit of time considering like don't careers last like 40 years. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> most of the people I work with or have worked with have been working for like 30, 40 years. So yeah, right. that They're doesn't seem like, Oh, so that's what comes after. Oh, okay. Senior. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking senior was was the end. I was like, that doesn't seem right. Own it. Own it. All right. Fair. <laughs> so then I guess with all of the being black in professions that are predominantly white and being female, black female in professions that are predominantly white male, I'm sure has been interesting. What's been some of the things that help you navigate the different spaces that you operate in? Morgan, you want to start? Sure. So I realized over my senior level uh, but, uh, but I realized that company company culture is so important to me. Mm-hmm. I think it should be important to everyone in terms of if you're the right fit. There's certain things that you can always learn within the organization, but uh, the core and your your mission and and values and all of that I think have to be aligned. The companies where I thrive and I really have enjoyed my experiences are the ones where it really is based on merit. It's based on how well you're doing and they give you more opportunities based on you doing well. The good old boys club kind of mm-hmm. company cultures, I will fail. Well, not fail, but it will be, it's a horrible experience like right. for me in the sense that it's just like constantly overthinking things. Everything's in my head. I'm like, okay, should I say this? Should I do that? Like, no, like, um, second guessing myself, it, it messes with my confidence. So it's just, I realized that some companies are doing the best project in the world and I'd love to be a part of it, but I could not work for that company. So right. not, I won't even think twice about it. So I think that's been important to me. Yeah. That makes sense. Sheeta, what about you? When you're navigating, uh, white male spaces as a black female are there any things I guess any things that you do particularly or any things that you keep in mind as you to get through it so lately this is I think this has come up a lot more lately more so than before because I am starting to be more of the face of things Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have started to question myself a lot more than I had before but I just tell myself that I have worked just as hard as anybody else Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to know that any room that I enter, I'm supposed to be there and I'm supposed to take up space. And so yes. I just keep reiterating that in my yes. head. Yes. Yeah. So I have it on my little whiteboard every morning. I say the doors that God has opened for me, I'm supposed to enter them and I'm supposed to take up space. So yeah. yes, that is, <laughs> that's my mantra for 2020, even though, you know, we haven't really entered doors this year, but <laughs> <laughs> at your house. Wow, those are great. Because I think that's, that's the thing that can be frustrating. And I know Toni Morrison has a quote about the fact that like, racism's chief job is to keep you distracted so that you're spending yes. so much more time trying to, you know, educate racist people or as opposed to, yes. you know, paraphrasing, I got that totally wrong, but as opposed <laughs> to like doing your work, you know what I mean? And like right. stepping into who you need to be and all that. So I love that mantra. Some days are easier than others, but there are some times when it's like, even with all of the the degrees, certificates, licenses, even with all the credentials, there are moments where it's still like, oh, do I really belong here? Is this really? Absolutely. 
Uh, Imposter yes. syndrome is real. It really yeah, is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things where I underestimated how real it was. It kind of just, I remember like, I remember even like who I was at UVA thinking that, okay, well, when I get to be in my thirties, I'm going to have it all figured out. Everything. Oh, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> the lives of youth. <laughs> you know what I've realized as an adult is that adults don't know what they're doing. No. And no. so like. Nobody knows. Nobody no. knows what they're doing. We're all just faking it till we make it. Yep. And some days are better than the others. But exactly. nobody exactly. knows what they're doing. Fake it till you make it or fake it till you become it. True. There yeah. you go. Both of those. And even like that was something that I also had to embrace when I was networking a lot or, you know, when we could meet people face to face before all this. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, I felt awkward going up and talking to strangers. And then finally it was like, you know what? Everyone feels awkward doing this. Just got to embrace it and have the conversation. Nikita, can I mm-hmm. say that you told me that? Yeah. And like now that I'm doing like business development, I keep that in my head. Like everybody is awkward. Oh, good. Just do it. So I channel my Nikita and I pretend that I'm you as I'm walking up to random strangers, telling them about my business and what I can do for them. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like being able to like to embrace the awkward is really, it'll take you places because then it just almost become a little bit more intriguing as well because people are like, oh, all right, well, she's comfortable here. So yeah, yes, all right. (laughs) You're more vulnerable. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then my other, uh, my other go-to move whenever I'm talking to someone and like, the conversations. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to move on to the next one. I'm like, oh, so who else do you know here? Anyone you'd recommend that I go talk to? <laughs> like, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, like, open it up and try and like give out because because it's like at, at a certain point of the conversation, you can feel the other person also being like, all right, well, yeah, I'm the bathroom. I'll find that other drink. I'm uh, like, <laughs> all right, well, I know we are uh, getting towards the end of our time together for now. So I guess I'm gonna pivot a little bit to motherhood, if that's all right, Rashida. Um, I, I could give advice too, you know. I, I don't know that I would can. take advice <laughs> well, <laughs> from anyone I, who's not a mom. Uh, I'm not either. You, you, you never know. Rashida, go right ahead, and then I'll 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 talk after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. My pleasure. What do you? What would you like to know about motherhood, <laughs> Nikita? Oh my gosh. So then, okay. How how did it? How did being a mom impact the way you are an architect, or did it have an impact on kind of? your thoughts about architecture or design or career or anything like that? I think the impact has mainly been on just trying to balance motherhood with work. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are now my priority, whereas before I would be okay working 50, 60 hours a week if I needed to for a project. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, my kids come first. I mean, you know, in the midst of COVID, it's been very difficult because they are home all day. Yeah. So we're, t- my husband and I are taking turns, basically working half days, getting stuff done and then putting them to bed and working at night. But I think that's also an issue why a lot of women leave the architecture field because it's very, very difficult to be the mother that society says you should be in this mm-hmm. field. Even down to like when I was pregnant, going on construction sites like I wasn't climbing the ladders to get on the roof of my Mm. projects like I just couldn't it's not not technically I could but I did not feel comfortable um, doing that 
So, I mean, fortunately, I am with a company, which is why I've stayed with this company for so long that has been very accommodating to me and my lifestyle and what I need. And they understand that I am a human person first before I am an employee and they kind of emphasize work-life balance. So that has been very, very helpful. And I know that is not the same for a lot of other people. I'm actually on this task force for mid-career architects with AIA Virginia. And one of the other women said she left like private practice to go teach because it gave her a lot more flexibility in raising her children. So like, I think that's one thing. I mean, it's not just women. I think men too have issues, but you know. And, And single people. <clears throat> and single people, because I, I do think I, especially during this pandemic, I have seen where people without kids have been held to a higher standard. They should be getting more oh, things always. done. Always. And yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's fair oh. either. Um, oh, yes. All right. I, well, so I, and I, I joked before, but this is actually a serious thing that I think about a lot. And it's not just during the pandemic. It's always because I don't have a family. I don't have a husband. It's like Morgan's available. And yeah. like it always. And like I have my my mom is 73. My dad is 75. Like I have my own health. Thing. Like, so yeah. it's, it's, it's actually very frustrating when people just make the assumption that I'm always available and I'm always there for what have you because I don't have a, a family. And like yeah. with, during this pandemic, like, yes, like people are like, oh, I, oh, I have to battle, like I'm dealing with all the different priorities. And, and I'm, I'm not discounting that, but like being alone in my own apartment for right. 166 days by myself in Tampa, Florida, as a black female, it has its challenges. And so I I think people need to recognize that just because I don't have a family doesn't mean that I want to commit my entire life to my job. And I I do want to have kids and and I'm getting to a point where I'm being more open about it. And people are so surprised but they're like well like with all that you've done like yes I want to have a family and so it's trying to change my mindset my family's mindset my the people at my company where it's just like yeah I want my life too like you guys had it for almost 36 years so you know what now it's my turn yeah and it's like you're allowed to live your life because it's yours like it's you don't your life yeah Exactly. And recognizing and something that something I had to learn was that, you know, I'm not required to set myself on fire to keep other people warm. So even though I don't have to, (laughs) it's like the the weight of other people's expectations and the my vision of my future is what's more important than other people's vision of my future and being able to actually like own that. Because it's I feel like for so many of us, particularly women, we're taught to shrink ourselves and please people and, you know, be a martyr and make sure everyone else is taken care of and we don't matter as much. And so it was just kind of recognizing that, no, we matter. We're important. We are worthy and deserving of happiness and all the, all the things (laughs) give us all the things. And and you can be successful and not be married. Cause like there's there's so many people that are just like, they'll ask me how I'm doing. And they're like, ah, so do you have a boyfriend, like a husband? I'm, I'm like, no, yeah. like my, my children have been my pro- my buildings and they're like, well, really? Like, it's almost like it discounted anything that I, I have done because I, I 
I haven't gotten married. I was like, you know what? I can find someone in two months and settle and, and get married if that makes you feel any better. Right. <laughs> right. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> right. Exactly. Hey, yeah. it might be the love of my life. You never know. <laughs> but I get, I get the same thing when people are like, oh, so you've been married for how long? Oh, you don't have kids yet? And it's like, mm, stay out of my ovaries. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I still tell people to stay out of my ovaries because they want me to keep having more. And I'm like, you're not even taking care of the ones that I have. So how do you have any? <laughs> say and what's happening over here right. it's like it's never enough it's always one more thing oh the whole married okay what about kids what about more kids so it's like let me yeah. live the way i want to live like it's i will say like mm-hmm. having kids i love my children dearly mm-hmm. but i was not prepared and There's... i don't think you're ever prepared but mm-hmm. like the level of responsibility that you have with mm-hmm. these people like their whole lives depend on you and some days i would uh-huh. much rather be working <laughs> but no, right. somebody wants a snack. Dep- or depends on what job. Depends on what job, though. <laughs> You're right. You're right. All right. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you both for jumping on. Um, any <laughs> parting thoughts or anything you want to say before we wrap up here? I will say that I really appreciate having you both in my life, and the times when I wanted to jump ship, yeah. you guys saved me. 100%. And I don't think you realized how your friendship has kept me sane since we oh. met in 2002. Yeah. So I just oh want to say thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Like, same. Same 100%. Because I feel like having both of you in my life, I'm able to stay more grounded and able to also talk to you about any and everything when it's like, am, yeah. I, am I bugging yeah. or is this like legit? This is what yeah. I heard. How does, yeah, like sounding boards yeah and y'all have just been amazing and you're also just amazing woman so yeah i i agree rashida thank you but it really is important like so i also from business school i have my group of girlfriends and they're like i get inspired because their level of like confidence in themselves and i that's one thing i think architecture you need to realize without architects we can't do anything we can't build any buildings and so it's like a business school, it's like everybody has all the egos and all of that, but we need to kind of have that within the architecture field because we are, it's important to understand your worth and to be around people who are aware of it and support that and are there for you at all levels. Yeah. Um, but then also it's important to pay it forward as well. I have a number of mentees the other day, I was talking to someone and they were asking me about how my experiences were on LinkedIn when I was in, in college. And I was like, uh, I don't think LinkedIn existed. <laughs> you really like aged me. Say that to say, like, we have a lot to give and, and there are people, they don't always want to see like the CEO. They kind of want to see like what would be next versus what would be end goal. So right. like making sure that, you're sharing your experiences, both higher up executives, senior people like our level, <laughs> and then like entry and mid level. Yeah, makes sense. So level. I have to sink, let that sink in that we're like senior level. I'm, okay. I'm serious. I like it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that concludes another episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, we don't inherit the earth from our parents, but we borrow it from our children. So let's make sure we're telling the inclusive history. 
Musical selections that you heard throughout the episode are from Sarah Gilberg's album, Other People's Secrets, which is available on Amazon and just about everywhere music is sold. Quiet hour, quiet patience, quiet line, quiet morning, quiet mind. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.